friends. Over the past week, we've been listening, we've been praying, and we've been marching. Some of you have reached out to me and to my fellow clergy to process what you're thinking and feeling, the anguish and the pain, sometimes the defensiveness and confusion. I've heard some of you say things like, I've, I've never before felt the kind of almost physical pain and anger I've experienced over this past week. Last Sunday, I listened to the voices of some of the leaders in Portland's African-American community. They called on our mayor and city government, police officials and white allies, not to use this moment as an opportunity simply to make a statement and then return to business as usual. I heard moms talk about what it's like to raise black sons and daughters right now, a, a generation who regularly witness their peers being executed by police all over the country. And we're no strangers to the devastating effects of police brutality here at Trinity. I've been thinking a lot this week about James Chassey. He was the son of longtime Trinity parishioners who was beaten to death by Portland police on the streets of the Pearl District 10 years ago while he underwent a mental health breakdown. There are so many names, children of this parish, children of this city, children of our God, whose lives have been taken at the hands of police brutality. These are not just political issues. These are spiritual issues. 60 years ago, some of you marched in civil rights demonstrations. You demanded an end to separate but equal, an end to legal discrimination, to busing and schooling systems that disenfranchised and dehumanized black bodies and black lives. And historians sometimes say that the civil rights movement was not just a political movement, it was a spiritual revival. In some ways, I think we're faced with a similar moment today. The immediate steps that American cities must take are not complicated. There are data-driven, evidence-based approaches to community policing that our communities can and must take. And yet, in another way, that alone is not our work. Those of us who are white are being asked to reckon with our privilege, with the systems and assumptions, the principalities and powers that have allowed us to live the lives we've lived. For a predominantly white community like Trinity Cathedral or like the Episcopal Diocese of Oregon, this is a wake-up call. And it's an invitation to a spiritual revival, I believe. This moment is not just about police reform. This is about the reformation of our hearts. Am I truly ready to listen and to see what's happening? Or am I gonna choose to take the path of least resistance and go back to sleep again? This week, along with thousands of our fellow Portlanders, we laid our bodies down on Portland's bridges with our hands clasped behind our backs, nine minutes of silence, the same amount of time that Officer Derek Chauvin had his knee at George Floyd's throat. Silence is a powerful thing, it can kill, this we know. Many of the signs I saw at the protest said it very clearly, white silence means death. But silence is also sometimes the means by which God's spirit speaks to us. And for one who is all too familiar with talking and making statements and preaching and calling for change, Sometimes silence is what allows the spirit to take everything I'm experiencing, the fear and the pain, the defensiveness and the anger. Silence sometimes is what allows the spirit room to do her work in the midst of all of that. What I'm praying for right now is a heart with the courage to be changed once again. I'm seeking the wisdom and the will not simply to sit idly by and wait for that change to happen, to go out and be a part of it. If we want to see a difference in our world, 
we're going to have to work for it. I think now is the time.